1: And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host today, for the first time in ages, Robert Borthwick. uh, And I am delighted uh, on this Scottish Cup weekend, a weekend that makes absolutely no bearing on my life uh, right now. Uh, I'm joined by
0: Mr Tony Anderson. Tony, how are you doing? I'm grand, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, It's it's the... the I know it's been a bad time for a Hearts fan, obviously, for this, but it is genuinely the third round. Yeah, this is the thing I think mean I miss the most for no fans, I would say, over the whole year. It's the it's the best weekend of them all in, in Scottish football, I would say. <laughs> you're rubbing it right in, but you're absolutely spot on. Like uh, Scottish Cup third
1: round weekend when the the, the big hitters enter the tournament uh, and and start playing against smaller, shall we say, uh, more jobber teams uh, from around Scottish football. Uh, it always is jam-packed uh, with fun and frolics uh, and action and you know on that note uh, what myself and Tony are going to be taking you listeners through today is the big winners and the big losers of the Scottish Cup weekend Um, You know, I'll jump straight off with a loser, which is Hart of Midlothian Football Club. We might as well just cover that off now, right? So, Hearts are the biggest loser this weekend. They didn't even take part. Uh, Motherwell scudded a a Highland League team. Stranraer beat the team that put Hearts out in the last round. Hearts are losers, mate. And, you know, it's it's
0: therapeutic to say that out loud. So, we'll we'll get that one out of the way straight off the bat. There we go. There we go. I mean, there's not there's not much more I can add to that. Um, I mean, hearts are taking enough bullets and there's enough Hibs fans on Twitter that are going to um, that are sticking the sticking the needle into. You, I'm sure, Robert. But it was. Um, I wish I could have been on the podcast the day after uh, the <laughs> Border Rangers uh, fiasco. But um, it's the beauty of the cup, though, and it's unfortunate it has to happen to your team, if you like. But uh, it's the reason they will enjoy it, and I do think it is the Scottish Cup is possible. I think my favourite tournament on the planet i think it's different from other countries i think because we have we've got the issue in this country of the skewed top flight that only two clubs can, can realistically win it but what comes off that the sort of the positive angle that comes off that is that the cup competition becomes everything to nearly every team and i believe that rangers and the celtic as well still care about this tournament and it's not like it is maybe in spain italy even germany england especially where they just they don't seem to really matter um, but here I like, I do think I think it is still the prime the Scottish Cup final is still the prime moment. And I think even third third round weekend is the best. I also think a semi final weekend of the Scottish Cup just and dunno in recent years I've always found it's not quite spectacular. Um, and I think that's something that we should hold in pride uh, in, in Scottish football, really. I, I
1: completely agree with you. Um, I know as a Hibs fan, you're, you're probably only saying that you love the Scottish Cup because of what happened five years ago and that's fine, Tony. Totally. We understand. But no, you, you, you're you absolutely right. It's um, it, it brings the magic and it, it brings sort of like the, the big teams versus the wee teams is something I always love watching. It's always like that that low winter sunshine uh, on a bobbly football pitch and two teams kicking slogs out each other. Absolutely magic. Absolutely magic. Now, we should get into some winners. We should also get into some losers. Tony, um, I, I will leave it up to you if you want to start on a positive or if you want to start on a negative. Where, where do you want
0: to take us in this Scottish Cup weekend? Well, let's go to back to Friday night. That's so the first game. Um, and so Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. I managed to catch this game. Uh, and as I, was, I, was, I would say to you off air, I'll be honest, my, my knowledge of lower leagues isn't isn't the best. Uh, I know we've got sort of specific people on this podcast who who know it extremely well. But I fair enjoyed that. Obviously, I had the bit of Scott Allen. Uh, for me, as a Hibs fan, it was great to see Scott Allen back on the pitch. Uh, I thought I was interested watching him. One thing I really enjoyed Scott Allen is that his best period in the game sort of came maybe between the 50th minute and, and the 70th minute when he went off, which I thought was really interesting because obviously we've got his fitness issues. I think it's a great deal for everyone Involved. I saw some Hibs fans were a bit perplexed, but it's not Scott Allen that we had last season or, or the season before. And I just thought this move is absolutely perfect for everyone. And it was interesting for him as well, because he gets to go to Inverness, who when he arrived, were as likely to get relegated as they were to, to be going into the playoffs. But it's such an interesting way. So Neil McCann going in as a manager, and I hope whatever's going on with John Robertson ends up fine. But it's so it's really brought a lot of interest by a guy like Scott Allen turned up there who's sort of like one of the sort of maverick players left in in Scottish football and obviously everyone's interested about in his the health issues and how he's going to move on, and then Inverness having Neil McCann coming back to to management and it's all looking pretty good for Inverness just now and I thought they were well I thought they were absolutely superb they turned Ross County over even though sort of Billy McKay put Ross County ahead. No, 100%. I I have got um, uh, the, the entire game
1: here as a as a winner, but I've, I've dubbed it the, the Mackay derby. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Daniel scoring, Billy scoring, and uh, Brad just being there as well. So many Mackays on the pitch, and uh, so many of them having such a big impact on how the game went as well. I just thought it was like a proper, like, the game was being played like it was the last 10 minutes of the game for about, f- like, 55 minutes. It was... End to end, you had a wonderful goal scored by Daniel McKay uh, in the in the second half. And you know, if you want to call them that, the underdog winning at the end as well. And I think that's always something that you you want to see, unless it's Harts versus Broder, in the Scottish <laughs> Cup. You always want to see the the underdog putting up that big fight and getting the big win. Um, but I think, like in terms of Scottish football generally, the the the, the Highland Derby has been one of the most consistently good. Mm-hmm. So entertaining derbies for quite a long time now. When I saw the draw come out, I saw it was a live game on a Friday night. I was like, I'm no missing that. Mm-hmm. That'll have something about it. And it did. And, and like you said, you know, the added intrigue of Scott Allen uh, sort of being involved. I was really interested to see how he played. I think you're right. I think his best moments did come in the second half uh, more than in the first. But altogether, just a, a, a really good game. Some cracking goals in there as well. Um, so fair play to the the Mackay derby. The El Kesico <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to call it, it was, uh, I, I thought it was excellent really good game
0: yeah you're totally right it's been like I mean I remember it well because the first year I ever got involved with the the podcast I think was the year that I think there was um, the Highland Derby had it, been brought into the top flight so I've watched it since then so I remember all those years ago I think Celtic beat Barcelona and I remember Joel Sked was on a podcast and they asked what his moment of the season was and he said it was the Highland Derby rather than Tony <laughs> Watts scoring, <laughs> scoring a winner against Barca, an undefeated Barcelona, the greatest team that's ever lived. Uh, and that's just another example of the pettiness that we know that uh, Joe Skid carries on a, on a daily basis. How uh, I was going to ask, do you know how old is Daniel McKay? I never even looked. I, I don't know much about him, but I obviously was hugely impressed. It, it feels like he's been around for years and years, but
1: he made his breakthrough as a very young 16 year old. So it's not as if he was 16 going on 17. He, he was brought into the team. Uh, and, and made an impact got a couple of goals a couple of assists I think he's still only 19 um, and right. also, like, he, he played in the Challenge Cup final a couple of years ago as well uh, and he's just like he's a he's a cracking prospect I think they've they've done well to kind of protect him maybe a wee bit um, in, in sort of recent years um, not playing him week in, week out and, and sort of taking the expectations off his shoulders a wee bit um, but Cali Thistle generally have, you know, they, they have exciting young players and, and Daniel Mackay is kind of maybe the, the 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 pinnacle of that. But they've got like Roddy McGregor and, uh, you know, uh, Cameron Harper and, and stuff like that. They've, they've got a really entertaining young team and obviously putting like Scott Allen into that as well helps a lot, uh, you know, helps helps with the, the creation for the, the players further forward. But no, Daniel Mackay is a, he's a cracking prospect. And when, when they tied him down to a new deal, I was really impressed because there were other teams sort of sniffing around him at that time. Um, but you know he's he's beginning to build out and bulk out a wee bit more as well so he's a a cracking prospect
0: And I was looking in terms of a loser maybe for the same game obviously I think I was saying this on a podcast last week I don't think uh, I don't think John Hughes has had that much of an impact on Ross County at all I think they still have the same same sort of issues they really they, they still win games but they were winning games occasionally under Kettlewell as well they've obviously got a decent enough squad I just don't see really where he's made huge Sort of strides. Maybe the one thing I would say, maybe they don't look, they don't play such a suicidal high line as they did under Kettlewell. So, but I don't really look at that. I think that would just be any manager would come in and go, let's steady a bit and, and drop out. But that's the difference that like Kettlewell wanted to be expansive. And I thought that John Hughes would be quite similar, but he's slightly more cautious, maybe. And it's just, it's still not great. And I can still see them going down. And it will, is it, maybe it will be the black mark against John Hughes that finally rids us of, of John Hughes <laughs> in, our, <laughs> in our Scottish football lives. <laughs> right, so um, I was um, someone that I was really disappointed with was Hidelji, uh the left-back. I know he's only... I know he's very young, maybe only 17 or 18, but he's played a lot this season and I've never really ever been impressed. He's...
1: Um... <sighs> He is really young and I, I think it needs to be sort of remembered. He did have a good game a few weeks ago where he was kind of key in a, in a Ross County victory. He scored scored the goal and, and you know, it, it was one of those sort of like, right, maybe he has a, a proper exciting prospect. It's one of those you've got to remember he has 17. He didn't have a good game uh, and he was sort of ran ragged every single time, uh, or it seemed, every single time Cali got the ball. Um, I don't, yeah, it's a tough one, eh? I, I, yeah. I think it's like, it, it's not... It's never easy putting a young player into a poor team. And I think that, you know, especially when you've got that expectation on them as well, uh, you know, a team battling towards the bottom end of the table, uh, struggling for form, and then you're putting in this guy who's not got the, the, the wherewithal um, or the experience to kind of take that on. And it, it looked like it sort of manifested itself a wee bit on, uh, on Friday as well. So, yeah.
0: But there must be something. There must be. I'm going to keep an eye on them because anyone who's not just in the team, but seems to be playing pretty much week in, week out, uh, for a top flight team, uh, you've got to assume must be doing something right. So again, you don't want to criticise too much, but it has been, as I said, it was just an accumulation of times that I've watched County where I've never really been enamoured. But I'm, but I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be something there. I don't know if you wanted to add anything else about John Hughes. That I bet you, I, I didn't interrupt you at the end there, Robert.
1: No, no, not not at all. I think uh, John Hughes is. Uh, <laughs> Finding himself on another slippery slope, um, I, I think there was a lot of redemption stories around. Obviously, what he did at race Rovers, and then potentially going to a bigger team. Well, you know, debatably bigger team, team in a, a, a different division, uh, and, and you know, saving them. But they, they, they don't inspire me with any confidence. Instead of a suicidal high line, it's now just a, a suicidal lower line. Uh, and that, <laughs> of that. Um, we'll move on. We'll move on from the uh, from the Highland Derby. I'm going to go for a, a, a loser here uh, and one that's close to my heart uh, because it's social media, but Falkirk's social media team uh, slagging off Ryan Christie for a, a shot on goal that didn't go in and then him 10 minutes later banging one into the back of the net, ending the game as a contest with doing that as well. Um, yeah, it's, you, you've always got to, I, I know that the, the live tweeting of games is a high octane, high uh, you know high pressurised environment, but just don't say sl- High risk. Well, high risk, uh, high reward, but they did not get to reward with this one because Ryan Christie slammed one in about two minutes later. Um, there wasn't too much to say about this game as well. Like, you know, Celtic won, they were expected to win. I think Falkirk did well to hold them until, you know, just after half time with a, what was a sort of second string uh, side for Falkirk as well. But no, that, that was the one that stood out for me was the, the small time behaviour of the, the Falkirk social media team coming back and biting them in the hoop uh, <laughs> when fun. Christie scored.
0: The funny thing it would be is that um, I think Christie's taking a lot of stick on social media from his own fans uh, this season, right? Because like they, they've well, there's been a lot of some people a bit more tongue in cheek about the fact he does love to hit shots, and he does. There's no getting away from it that he loves to hit shots. But I think it's I, I, maybe one of the lads maybe said on our podcast, but there's sort of similarities between Ryan Christie's like, well Stuart Armstrong's last season at Celtic and Ryan Christie now that looks like the end where sort of. We all He was such a popular player. Everyone rates him really highly. And then sort of one bad season in, a, in, a, in an underperforming team. Uh, and he becoming a bit of a joke figure. And there you go, Falkirk, feeding into that uh, and, and getting their fingers burnt right away. But I would, uh, yeah, I would watch myself because I think Ryan Christie, the, he's undoubtedly, I, I often think maybe he's the most talented player in the league, along with maybe Edward. He's not the best player in the league, but that word that maybe we use quite a lot is ceiling. Uh, I think Christie does have a really high ceiling and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, there was a shock and he went to an actually relatively big club like Arsenal or Southampton or like someone, maybe, someone like that and actually doing pretty well. I get the feeling that Christie, if he put him in around better players on his wavelength, I think would really come through. So uh, Falkirk, maybe learn your lessons there, yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. Uh, where, where do you want to take us next, Tony? Look, okay. um, well, you mentioned Broder uh, earlier, and it was like the uh, maybe a bit of a loser. Was the was the camera angle uh, <laughs> at, at Brora Rangers for, for for the highlights? I found that uh, like you couldn't actually see past the linesman at one point. How low down? that I don't. I know nothing. I mean, you're you're involved in in media with the studio, obviously, Rob. But I've known nothing about it. But I'm positive you're not meant to lie on the ground when you're <laughs> when you're trying to shoot <laughs> when you're on the. One camera at the game, and I found—I think there was quite a few ones like that. And I know it's tough uh, in the lower leagues, and I know it costs, but uh, I did. I found that um, sort of weird why that would be a thing. I
1: it's—it's it's like the—it's um, like they brought the wrong size of tripod for the for the for the camera it's like they, they, they <laughs> thought like you know i will we'll, we'll bring the we'll bring the five footer uh and then they ended up just bringing like one of those tiny wee tripods just <laughs> the floor. uh either that or it was dug into a pit uh i'm, I'm not too sure but aye, that was it's jarring jarring <laughs> to see camera angles from uh, from from that low down it's like being a hander <laughs> can he see a thing yeah absolutely um but you got I- any more winners for us rob so I, I, I've i got like a, a double-ended like winner and loser in the same breath that I'm going to go for here. So the, the winner is Russell McLean of Montrose Football Club, uh, scored the, mm-hmm. the, the round by a distance, overhead kick. He was completely off balance as well, like the way he sort of manoeuvred his body, got himself back over it and then overhead kick straight over the goalkeeper into the back of the net. Absolutely amazing. Like goal of the weekend for me, absolute winner. But the loser from this scenario is Lee Hamilton of Edinburgh City, who also scored mm-hmm. an overhead kick, but no one's going to talk about it because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as good as Russell McLean's. Um, and he ended up losing the, losing the tie as well, obviously. But um, yeah, just like two fantastic goals, two great overhead kicks. Uh, but Rusty, Rusty McLean is uh, the one that will get grab the headlines because it was a, the winning goal uh, and it was just a... Just a better overhead kick, so I, I feel sorry for Lee Hamilton, but I think we still need to pay him lip service at the very least because it was a cracking, cracking overhead
0: kick. And it's fun. I really, um, it sort of warms the heart a bit when you're watching the Scottish Cup third round, and it's the the weekend where these sort of guys are going to be on sports scene, and um, rather than just on maybe their own their own TV channels or their own YouTube channels for for the highlights. So it's really cool when you see that, and it paints the sort of lower leagues in, in such a positive light for people and that excitement. And, and actually, goal, the winner really would be goals in general uh in, in this one because, as you said, uh Lee Hamilton had, had his overhead kick, Russell McLean had his, uh, Thomas Orr at Stranraer, it was an absolute peach that he called it in. And then St Mirren, we had uh, McGrath doing well, a really unique sort of chipped goal. I, I, I don't even know really how he managed it because it was really quite close in for him to do that. And then Dennis uh, putting in sort of a curling effort into the top into the top corner, which actually might bring me on to a loser quite quickly, which might have to be sort of Hamilton and Brian Rice robber after what can only be described as a bit of a meltdown for O'Brien Brian Rice.
1: Aye, uh, yes, that that was the next loser on my list was uh, Chipper uh, and his post-match out. I mean, uh, it's stronger than an outburst. That was uh, that was absolutely something else. It sounded and it like. Fair play to him for saying like I'm not shouting at you guys when speaking to the media, mm-hmm. but it sounded like he was shouting at the media guys. <laughs> um, he was absolutely furious and seemed to be hinting towards some sort of anti-Hamilton conspiracy,
0: which is always always the best thing. I mean, Scottish football's full of that. We normally there's normally more, more two clubs who sort of uh, divulging this type of behaviour, but it's the idea that sort of Hamilton are being sort of Against the might of St. Mirren, who being uh, it's, like, I, that's such a bizarre sort of concept. And I, and I, I don't get me I do know what, what he means. I, I, I can imagine smaller clubs do feel this way quite a lot in, in other leagues and they don't get the same. I mean, I would get he's maybe talking about coverage, but like, this idea that they don't, that people don't defend when they get sort of penalty decisions against them or no one talks them up and no one talks about their injury problems. I mean, I, I can only, I mean, Our podcast is sort of relatively sized. And I know you guys on the TV show as well, you'd be considered the media of Scottish football. Uh, And I I, I never see that Hamilton get that badder up. I think we talk about them quite positively. I mean, Ross Callaghan, we're getting it. Bruce Anderson, I think people have been excited about. Uh, I don't really see his point that people are actively against Hamilton. I don't really understand that.
1: Tony, we, we have literally been calling them cockroaches for the last five years. So, I mean, you know. Maybe well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Just because I say Bruce Anderson's good one week, that wipes out calling them cockroaches for five years. <laughs> <laughs> But not like,
1: listen, you always see managers angry and upset at at decisions, refereeing decisions. I think obviously that's always magnified in cup games as well, because it's not as if you can say it evens itself out over the course of a season. Because you've just got that one game and then you're left reeling a wee bit um, towards, you know... (laughs) It won't even itself out in the season. I would also like to laugh at, uh, at Joel Sked because his banker bust prediction uh, on the TV show on the last one was that Hamilton would get relegated but also win the Scottish Cup. So <laughs> Joel Sked strikes again. Uh,
0: in- incredible track record on the humped, last Humped out, humped out <laughs> the first time they get played. Uh, I do like the, 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 my favourite quote and read it. It's a Daily Record article. Ryan Rice. The rest of the game, we dominated, but you'll never write that because we're Hamilton. My opinion, you're not right because we're fucking Hamilton. Sorry, we are Hamilton, uh, but I like it because I'm reading it, which means that they must have wrote it. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. aye. The, the 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 swear words uh, were particularly um, unexpected. You don't often hear that in the recorded interviews from managers. A so fair play to him. He was speaking. Maybe in-
0: maybe it's four maybe it's four D chess. He's taking all the he's taking all the pressure off the players. Old chipper, uh, <laughs> and he, he's so he's sovereign, and everyone's now talking about him swearing. Uh, but yeah, not it's just this idea that Hamilton don't get credit for anything. I, I I don't think I agree with that. I think we maybe they maybe get backhanded credit, like calling them cockroaches. But that it's it's meant with I certainly say it with a warm heart. Is that they 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 punch above their weight quite considerably all the time, and maybe he just doesn't like it because he might be the one that. Makes them their way and they and they drop down the division.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now listen, Cock, cockroach is a, a backhanded compliment. You know, they, they, their survival skills are second to none. So you know, just 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 take it as it's meant, Hamilton. But yeah, maybe they don't get the column inches, um, but at the same time, that's not what's most important. So I think he was uh, he was obviously just angry at a few things and was lashing out. Still very emotional after the game, uh, but absolutely one hundred percent a complete loser um, of this weekend. So, Jipper, <laughs> <Well> Jeffer, <up. laughs> you're a loser, mate. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've got another another winner here, uh, which is uh, Mister Nicholas Nicky Clark uh, of Dundee United mm-hmm. for. What I would deem as a really quite blatant fumble uh, leading to his goal for Dundee United's 91st minute winner, when he just shoves Mohamed Niang straight into the goalkeeper, uh, clatters him out of the way, and then he's got an, an empty net to roll the ball into. I mean, that is, that is a liquid Scottish cup right there. Um, I, I think Thistle, Thistle played really well, well, played well uh, throughout the 90 minutes, maybe didn't deserve that. But no, Nicky Clatter, I mean, fair play, you are a winner for um, just really blatantly fouling someone in the lead-up to a goal and, and it's still being given. Fair play.
0: <laughs> in the last minute as well. <laughs> right. it's, it's one that you see you see all the time, that, that foul getting given uh, when a striker's sort of frustrated that they can't get there ahead of them and they just petulantly push them and then roll it into an empty glass. See, I feel like I've seen that clip a hundred times, but actually this time he gets to run away uh, celebrating. And, uh, I mean... Ian McCall took it quite well, I thought, at the end when I saw his interview. He seemed quite calm because uh, compared to Brian Rice going insane about a penalty that we made it 3-0 on the, on the day uh, and uh, Nicky Clark pushes someone to, to win the match and not parting out, the uh, the sort of dignity held at the end of it was uh, was quite stark from, from Ian McCall. Uh, I'll go for another one. This is a man who is so close to being a loser but turned out a winner, and that would be Xander Clark at St. Johnston. He seems he got he got away with an awful lot in this game, but still ended up saving a penalty, uh, which obviously, on the history books, that'll, that'll look good. But I mean, for the goal that got disallowed, it's offside. I think that gets given. He just totally drops the ball and it, and it gets put in. And then uh, the penalty he gives away is. Psychotic. He just <laughs> absolutely loses it. Runs out to the to, to the edge of the 18-yard box at an angle and, and clatters I and mean, clears him out, and then he gets a save. But then eventually goes home with a clean sheet and another victory for St. Johnson. So I thought Dander Clark, uh, in a bizarre way, ends up he he got the last laugh. Needless to say,
1: absolutely, it was uh, it was vintage Sander Clark throughout that game. You know, uh, moments of of uh, atrocity followed by, to be fair. A loser in this should absolutely be Charles Adam for uh, one of the worst penalty kicks I think I've seen in quite a long time, uh, sort of rolling it quite tamely towards uh, Clark's left hand side. Fancy myself to save that one, Tony. Fancy myself to save it. But uh, yeah, Xander Clark is absolutely fair. And kind of on along the same lines, I've put a winner as uh, Sam Ramsbottom uh, of Dumbarton. I mm-hmm. thought. You know, he will, he will forever, and it doesn't matter how well he plays, he will forever be known as the <laughs> man who thumped the ball off Ryan McGeever's arsehole for one of the most comical own goals of all time. However, he played really, really well against Aberdeen. You know, the, the save that he made from uh, from Lewis Ferguson's header was absolutely uh-huh. brilliant. And there were so many other occasions during the game where his shot stopping was, uh, was just absolutely top class. I mean, he is a bit of a loser for wearing the tightest shorts I have ever seen on a goalkeeper. <laughs> Honestly, like I'd, I'd, I felt like I could see the veins, Tony. I felt like I, I, <laughs> nothing was nothing being left to the imagination. But uh, no, I, I thought Sammy Ramsbottom, uh, fair play to him because you know a, a lot of goalkeepers would wilt uh, after that calamity that he had uh, the other week there. But that's a couple of really good performances on a rule for him. And this one, obviously, being on national telly against a top flight side, no, fair play to him, fair play to him.
0: I and mean, It's like, it bizarre for a goalkeeper to want to wear anything tight. Surely agility and freedom of movement are high on your list of priorities when you get dressed in the you morning would, for, for, for a match. You, you would
1: think so. I was half expecting to sort to of go for one with his feet and just the shorts to rip at the arse. <laughs> a real sort of comedy style. Um, I... which, is, which has
0: happened to me, Rob, when I played five-a-sides in uh, New Zealand. It was like a, and it was a mixed league. Uh, I was playing five a sides and I couldn't find my, I couldn't find like the football shorts which I'm wearing right now, like a pair of Sondico. just a, a plain pair of Sondico. So I ended up just wearing like a pair of like sort of more fashionable, relatively tight, uh, polka dot black polka dot with with multicolored polka dots on them uh, shorts to play. And uh, I went and goals and I made a save with my with my leg, the inside of my leg, and it just ripped. And I just had to play the rest of the game with my arse. Hanging out essentially with boxers on, so um, and as I said, that was in a mixed league, so lucky yeah. I never really got arrested, frankly. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> imagine that eh? you end up on some sort of register and just going just for playing football with
0: small shorts, that'd be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> um, I'll go back to the St Johnston game and a winner. Uh, my favorite moment of the entire weekend is Lee Ashcroft's yes. sliding header tackle. Uh, I could watch that all day every day just because it looks all so the first day I see it, I wasn't sure what happened and then when you watch a slow motion replay it's like yep he's completely deliberately done that that was it was like a premeditated sliding header tag it wasn't just like something's went wrong and he's ended up flat on his face trying to header it which I think we've seen a few times uh, in Scottish football where they end up just scrambling on the ground and sort of trying to sort of like a fish <laughs> out of water try to header it away but this one was sort of like doing a Klinsman to then use his head to get away and um, fair enough it worked so who am I, who am I to, to say that isn't the way to normally go about uh, your defending 100% it's uh, Fjortoft did
1: it for that gonna, was it yeah uh, against Harts earlier on in the season there's an amazing picture of Fjortoft's face just buried into the turf um, that I think the Terrace Podcast Twitter account uh, put some tweets out about and I think like um I know our listeners will correct me on this. I think it was Beath versus Berwick Rangers uh, a few years ago. And uh, a guy tried to do that and and sort of header the ball away, but ended up just emptying the man and giving away a penalty, which was one of the best penalty (laughs) decisions I've (laughs) ever seen in my life. Just headering this boy's ankles out the way. Um, So no, I I think, uh, you know, a a real warrior spirit um, about that, just literally asking for your head to get volleyed off his neck. Um, Fair play. Fair play.
0: Um oh what? what else you got? Well, I mean I was I was gonna ask you, Rob. Obviously, I saw James Forrest got his first start again at Celtic. I know he went into that maybe the interesting and he managed to get a goal. What would be your feelings on James Forrest maybe putting something together towards this season and, and making a late run for that Scotland squad, which might even get extended? Um now they're saying that might get a couple of extra sp- spots, because I was starting to think. Would he maybe get brought along to play a similar role to Ryan Fraser? Or what do you think? Do you think there's a chance that, that he, could, he could get a spot?
1: I think he, he might end up getting saved by the uh, potential extra spots in the squad. So it's maybe going up to 25 or 26 because they've allowed the five substitution rule now as well. Um, well said, James Forrest, um, a couple of years ago, was one of my favourite players in Scotland. Absolutely just non-stop uh, for Celtic goals assists I I think one season he got like 16 17 goals and about the same number in assists Uh as well absolutely flying but I think because he's been out for so long this season and because Steve Clark has now found the nucleus of a squad that he really really likes it could spell you know unfortunately for James Forrest some bad news for him because there is players who have come in pardon me um who can play in that position but also who have kind of excelled a wee bit in that position as well and Ryan Fraser obviously is the, the most obvious example of that. Um, down the left-hand side you've got some sort of weird Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney double <laughs> double attack focus thing now going on as well. So I, I think, you know, James Forrest, what you'll get is, is work rate. Could he maybe play in a wing-back position if it is a back three that we go for? Very possibly. Um, but at the same time, Stephen O'Donnell's come in and, and, you know, in the last couple of games he's played really, really well as well. So, Is there a place in the squad for him? I would say right now, very, very possibly. But it's not a guarantee. I think a couple of years ago, James Forrest was a guarantee for every single Scotland squad. But I think injuries at the wrong time uh, are maybe just going to elbow him out of the way slightly. But um, I wouldn't be terribly upset if he did make the squad. But for me, he wouldn't even be a starter just now anyway.
0: Yeah, because I think you're right. That might might help him out as... Maybe the fact that if we were behind in a game, he could come on and maybe, as you said, play in a wing-back role. I I wouldn't imagine he'd start in there, but I mean, if we were looking for goals and go more attacking. And interestingly enough, in this game for Celtic there, he seemed to be playing off Griffiths um, in a a bit of a more central position, which is most likely where, in terms of the shape that that Clark seems to be going for. Maybe those dual tens, if you like. I mean, when we're at our best and we're attacking, I would say... And other people may be saying that we play a 6 three six one, but uh, like, I mean at, at, the, at our good times. Uh, so that was a, it'd be interesting for him to keep playing in that role for Celtic towards the end, because I'd imagine that would be the the place that he could vacate. Something else might work for him is we don't we aren't blessed with an abundance of pace, a natural pace in the squad, and so maybe James so There's something to be had there, and it'll be interesting. It'll keep something interesting for us. Going forward with tickets since obviously season outside that Scottish Cup looks pretty much over. And those, those old firm games, if I'm James Forrest, I'd be champing at the bit to get to play in those because there'll be the games everyone's watching and everyone will be having analysis of it. And if he could do something in those games, then a bit of momentum comes. People start asking for it. Don't get me wrong now. Clark doesn't seem like the guy will get swayed too much from it. From social media But uh, you know what I mean get, get everyone talking And get that train going For James Forrest To go there um, I think an obvious one uh, Kyle Lafferty Robert yeah. Your main man Kyle Lafferty 100%. Talk
1: me through it all, all, all I've put here Next to Kyle Lafferty Is what a player What a hat-trick What a smile um, Just an absolute sweetheart But, but also He's <laughs> not a sweetheart But, um, <laughs> but um, No I, I think um, Even even more than the fact That he scored a hat-trick Against Stenhouse Muir is the 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 sort of the ray of hope that he is giving Kelly fans right now uh, as a proper, you know, number nine striker? Maybe the best they've seen since the likes of Chris Boyd potentially, and and having the same impact and being a real talisman for this Kelly team that's kind of been screaming out for someone like that. You know, Brophy, Brophy certainly was was a, a, a cracking player for them previously. Uh, he obviously moved on to Pastures New, and and they needed. They needed a number nine that's gonna harry defenders and hassle them and you know not necessarily be the best team player, but just be an out-and-out goal scorer, a guy that will shoot from anywhere because he knows he's got that confidence in himself that he's gonna hit the back of the net. And that was just example uh, against uh Muir. Three goals, all of them you'd expect him kind of to score, to be honest. That they were all kind of Kyle Lafferty goals, but um he is he's just providing Kelly fans with with some hope right now and with the season that they've had. He's exactly what they need. He's he's doing for Kilmarnock fans what he did for Hearts fans, which oh. was just becoming this like guy that you used to absolutely fucking
0: hate. <laughs> now,
1: but now you cannot help but love him because of what he brings to your team and he brings that, that shit housing element as well. You know, he, he brings a bit of swagger. Um, no, Kyle Lafferty was was uh third on my list of winners. He was that high, mate, even though it was just just against Stenny, no offense, Craig Telfer. But, you know, he still has to go there and, and score the goals. And, uh, yeah, he's he's doing a lot for Kelly fans right now. Uh, and they, they need a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was on, I've done the top five one for the Patreon with Alan Temple. And he said something, it was brilliant, like post, his record post-Christmas, uh, going into sort of the business end of the season. is like 22 goals in, in 45 games or something like that. And then before that, it's like, Five goals and and, and like before that. So just when when th- when the time when times get tough and somebody and someone needs to step up, it's like he's he's motivated by that. It's like you get players like that that they it's, it, who care. And this is the point we're making on on that Patreon is it doesn't really matter why they're motivated if it's if it's something that maybe you don't like so much. Maybe he is angling for a move. Maybe he, he probably knows that he's coming to the stage of career, but maybe he's got one more half decent contract in him, or he can stay at kobarnick but. Um, who cares? Because he's the absolute man, and, and uh, for Kilmarnock now, and it's really interested in the bottom, in the bottom flight. Uh, sorry, the bottom half of the Scottish Premiership is like January signings of strikers have been like a real ray of hope for team. Like obviously Bruce Anderson, he hasn't scored lots of goals, but he's sort of brought a brand new element to Hamilton's play and made them much more easy on the eye, and given them much more alternatives to how they can play. The uh, Jordan White, I mean, he, he turned. I mean, he, again, his form's tailed off slightly, but. He's won, won them about six to nine points directly, even coming off the bench. He scored against Celtic. He scored that, against Hamilton when he came off the bench and Billy McKay. He scored the winner set up. Um, so he's, I mean, and then obviously Kyle Lafferty. So these are huge signings that are having a, a massive part to play. But something, and George Oakley as well, coming off the bench, that'll be a big one for Tommy Wright. And that'll be both, that's it for his first goal uh, for Kilmarnock. And that'll be important because they'll need as many of those goals as they can going forward. But I wanted to ask your opinion, Robert, on the Partick Thistle away strip. I know you're a man who likes your football strips.
1: Not a huge fan.
0: Ah, okay.
1: I, I just, do you know what annoyed me the most about the, the Partick Thistle talk was they, they weren't wearing their squad numbers. Uh, they had a 1-11 a to 11 system and no names on the back and that just put me off straight away. It kind of felt like, uh, it I, I felt a wee bit like Saturday mornings, uh, Sunday league sort of vibe. Um, I think, Pat, yeah, Partick Thistle all I think about when I think of their ships this season is that half-and-half half, uh, effort that is, that is being sold I and mean, it's just uh, it doesn't fill me with joy, Tony. It doesn't fill me with joy.
0: Were uh, you, are you a fan of it? Is that is that what you're trying to say to me? When I saw it, I thought I quite liked the minimal effort of it. Um, it looked really, really traditional. But again, I know exactly where you're coming from. It looked, it looked more like just a nice top uh, and it just wasn't a it wasn't an actual football strip and I, and I, and I get what you mean now uh, that yeah, it's just it. But I thought it looked. I thought it looked relatively cool uh, as as a top. But yeah, it didn't look like a like a football strip. It's um, just, I'm looking
1: at it again. Yeah, it is just it is just a top, isn't it? Uh Yeah, it
0: doesn't even look like it's the right football strip material. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they've just taken something else entirely. Uh, yeah. They'll be lining up next week in loads of nice shirts. <laughs> right, that's, that's it. It's uh, yeah. I, one thing
1: I do like is the badge. I'll give them that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the the sort of the, the more traditional thistle with the, 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 the you know the what, what am I even trying to say here? The wee hang that goes underneath it. The wee said It doesn't matter. Totally embroidery. Hard. I don't know. Embroidery. Let, let's go for it. Let's see <laughs> embroidery. Um, I think the, the the only other winner that I have here is uh, Greenock Morton. And that was not because of uh, the fact that it's going to but they, they won a, a cup tie the way it's meant to be won. Uh, being behind for about 80 minutes, sclaffing a, a 90th minute penalty and then scoring the winner in the second time, uh, second half extra time. Just absolutely perfect way to win a cup tie. That's, that's how you do it.
0: Smash and grab. Uh, I mean, I'm sort of a bit of a loser, and this might sound really harsh because uh, Co Rangers were playing I Ibrox uh, but I watched a bit of that game and while I mean if it was deliberate Paul Hartley the, the bravery of getting his team to sort of play passing football out from defence uh, is commendable I suppose but it was like the game was lost and the, the, the frustrating thing is Rangers missed a few chances and Cove could have stayed in there a lot longer and then they just sort of gifted Rangers goals just genuinely like, so brave trying to play one touch passing inside their own box how like basically the kind of moves that you would see and the Champions League, or at the top flight of the of the English, in the top half of the English Premier League, where teams are so well drilled that it doesn't bother them that they're under pressure. They they're completely calm and they they keep on making the triangles and the angles to come out for defence. So if that's how they're playing in day to day in the in the league, I'm sure it's really good to watch. But um yeah, they got there was just the Rangers players couldn't believe their luck, and so Jermaine Defoe scored a goal where he just was Defoe go ever he got the ball he made a sharp turn which he always does and then they allowed him just to take three further touches towards the box and then still nobody bothered trying to block him and he hit a shot at the bottom corner like he's been doing for well most of our lives eh, really Jermaine Defoe but yeah it sounds harsh but I, I thought it was eh, a bit bizarre watching Covey just try to do that
1: it was it was strange, um, especially against a team that's so good at pressing. Probably the best pressing team in Scotland. Definitely the best team in Scotland. Uh, you know, fair play to them. Uh, it takes uh, it takes a lot of
0: a lot of balls to try and do that. Um, Tony, I, I think we're done here. I, think- I can't see any more. Yeah, I mean, in other than maybe Ramsey Aberdeen looked pretty exciting as a young player. I like him. Uh, Coming at fullback, uh, that was good to see. A loser Aberdeen. They still got through it, but those issues. Were really laid bare that they've got for for that they've had like a second go and a living. It's like Hendry's now looking like a bit of a he's going to be like a savior, even though people were doubting that as a as even a as a transfer of it was a smart move. Uh, and Stephen Glass has a lot of work on his hands because maybe as a Hibs fan, I'll maybe chuck in Camp, camp Fo Cambury because he looked absolutely fucking dreadful uh, for looked, Aberdeen in that game. He looked absolute guff. Uh, I, I
1: would say Dean Campbell didn't uh, fill me with a, a great amount of joy in that game either but calvin Ramsey I'll, I'll give you that I thought he looks like a crack in me process especially since like his first touch of the game he let like, the ball roll under his foot and go for a throw in and I was like, oh dear uh, <laughs> oh, this, what's gonna happen here but he was he was great his delivery as well of both feet was uh, was fantastic mm. uh, no I, I, I like the look at him.
0: Um, I liked you know, what you said about Campbell uh, off air. <laughs> I never know where he's playing. He just turns up at random positions on the park and gives the ball
1: away. <laughs> <laughs> well, a,
0: Tony, I, I couldn't
1: think of a better way to describe it than that. He just he just shows up and gives it away. And you're like, ah, Dean Campbell's still playing. Um but you know, given the benefit of the doubt, he's a young man uh and he's he's getting a, a lot more game time, which is good, seeing as Derek McInnes obviously isn't famed uh for, for giving youth a chance. So yeah, good to see him still getting a bit And Vaughn,
0: and Vaughn scoring for Wraith Rovers again after getting a double the week before uh, in, in the Fife Derby. That is really exciting for Sean, of course, and Andy, but for Wraith in general because if you go, if they can go to the playoffs, Regan Henry. I mean, I've, obviously I've watched a bit of Wraith in the last couple of weeks so it was good. Regan Hendry looking on such form. Um, obviously the guys on loan for Hibs uh, looking really, really strong with that. He scored a couple of goals and, uh, and then as I said, Vaughn being back who's sort of should be playing at a higher level, but these injuries have stopped him. Keep him fit towards the end. And I really wouldn't want to be going up against that Ray overs team in a playoff, especially when they've only had 27 games and they won't be tired going into like a normal end of season playoff. I would start to get a bit worried about the team that's in 11th. hundred percent. And I think uh, you're spotting what you're saying. If Lewis Vaughan had no injuries,
1: he wouldn't be a Ray overs player right now. He would be a, a division above. I think he's... You know, when he's fully fit and fired in, he's a top flight footballer. Uh, 100%. He's a cracking, cracking player. Um, and it is, you know, it, you saw like uh, on a view from the terrace, there was a, a feature on him and, and going through his injuries and stuff. And, Ooh. you know, his his mentality is just absolutely amazing as well. He's still only like 24 or something like that. He's still a young man. Uh, still got a lot in him. Uh, cracking player, cracking goal as well. So absolutely, I'm, I'm on the Lewis Vaughn bus, mate. I'm there.
0: I'm with you. Brilliant. Nice one. Uh, any more for any more? Are you all good? No, no, I'm, I'm all good, mate. I enjoyed that going to the Scottish Cup. Thanks very much. No,
1: it's, it's not a problem at all. And, I, you know, I, as an outsider uh, looking into the Scottish Cup this year, uh, it, was, <laughs> uh, it was very, very enjoyable for me to have a look as well. So thank you all very much for listening. Uh, it's, it's always massively appreciated. Me and Tony are about to uh, bugger off and record our Patreon as well. Obviously, if you do not yet follow our Patreon, please do. Uh, you can do so for as little as $2 a month great value Uh Uh, you've got so much weekly content coming out there as well that you'll uh, end up falling behind on it and probably not listening to it all anyway so give us a follow on Patreon give us a follow on Twitter if you don't already thanks again for listening thank you Tony Anderson cheers and thank you all good night
0: Sports Social Podcast Network Oh, 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 O'Reilly